You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, and you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. The Packers beat the Buccaneers 26-20 in overtime to keep their playoff hopes alive, and a lot of things went right for Green Bay on Sunday. In terms of the playoff seating, their quarterback practiced on Saturday, and they have a timeline for his return. There's a lot to talk about in this show, but we have to start with the game. Aaron Jones, a 20-yard touchdown run in overtime to win it for the Packers, a game that was not particularly aesthetically pleasing. Brett Hundley played very poorly for most of this game outside of the first drive, which has been a theme for them, the Packers actually, including games with Brett Hundley, we're talking about all season, have the most points scored on opening drive possessions in the NFL this year. Mike McCarthy does an excellent job of scripting, and Brett Hundley has executed the script. It's been after that where they've really struggled, and I think that's that's partially on Hundley and partially on McCarthy. I would say mostly on the former. It's strange that... that Hunley has struggled so much outside of those those scripted plays. That being said, when they needed to score in the fourth quarter, Tampa Bay takes the lead late in the game, their first lead of the game. Tampa Bay is is really controlling the clock and the game in the second half. They were they were outgaining Green Bay all day. First downs wasn't close. Time of possession. Tampa Bay was dominating the game and it took them until the last 6-8 minutes to even have a lead. And when Green Bay needed a play, they ran the ball. Mike McCarthy called a couple of zone reads with Brett Hundley, and Brett Hundley ran the ball. In fact, Hundley had almost as many yards running as he did passing in this game. But overall, the Packers' run game produces 199 yards on 29 carries. Jamal Williams goes for 21 carries, 113 and a touchdown. Obviously, the Aaron Jones run. Brett Hundley adds another 66 on the ground. Picked up some first downs. I'm glad to see Mike McCarthy going to that. They actually went to the zone read about a half a dozen times in this game, and Hundley actually gave the ball to the running back, so he's not running with it. What I would love to see, and I've said this over and over, and I know that the Eagles lost on Sunday night to Seattle, but they run that zone read, and then they have passes off of it. Green Bay has one and a half passes off that, and and I wish... Green Bay would run it because it could be effective. If, if they were allowing Hundley to run that zone read more often, they could really have an effective offense. They just decided not to do that for whatever reason. So the run game is really what catapulted them to a win. The fact that they won a game where their quarterback was, was really bad with the run game and the defense getting timely plays, turnovers, sacks, that bodes well for them moving forward as a team. Not just not just as a, in a playoff chase, as a team, roster construction 
when this team has its quarterback, it should be very good. The running game was not was not really clicking before Aaron Jones got in when Aaron Rodgers was healthy. Ty Montgomery hadn't really been making things happen. He had the great game against Chicago in the first half, and then he gets hurt. But now, with, with Jamal Williams looking like a legitimate, solid NFL running back and Aaron Jones looking the way that he does, I mean, he comes in the game in overtime. That was another drive where it's it's mostly runs. He Brett Hundley with one with one play through the air to Devontae Adams, but on the game tying drive where they marched down the field to get the field goal, it was all runs with one pass, and the pass was to Jamal Williams. I mean, th- those were the guys that stood that that stepped up today, and the offensive line deserves a tremendous amount of credit. They're not blocking the eighty-five Bears. The Tampa Bay defense is not very good. The run defense was the only was the only adequate part of their defense and Green Bay stopped them. Now the problem was the offense couldn't keep the ball, especially in the second half. They didn't get their first first down in the second half until deep into the fourth quarter. I mean, this is this is the reason they lost to the Saints, a game that in retrospect doesn't look like as nearly as bad a loss, but they were winning that game at halftime. And Brett Hundley made some plays in that game, but they ran the ball extremely well. They got two takeaways. When this team can run the ball, they pressured Jameis. They got the turnover for the touchdown from Dean Lowry. That's a winning formula, even when your quarterback plays poorly. Imagine what this game could have been with Aaron Rodgers. And we don't have to imagine that much longer, it sounds like. I do think there's some concern about Jordy Nelson. He, his lateral quickness is gone. He can still run in a straight line, but laterally, I mean, there were a couple times when he caught the ball and he's trying to make a move in the open field, and and he looks like me running out there. I mean, the third and one pass play, which I really didn't like, that set up the field goal. When you just ran the ball all the way down the field, and you're going to throw this weird Jordy Nelson tunnel screen, he can't make a play. I mean, it just, I don't like it. I don't know why you do it. It was not McCarthy's best game. And I, and I just, I don't know what to say anymore about Brett Hundley. This was a really bad Buccaneers defense. The worst defense that they'll have faced all season. It's one of the worst defenses in football. And Hundley looked so hesitant. The interception was, was terrible. It was, a, it was an awful throw, a bad decision. Forced the ball to Jordy Nelson, underthrew it, threw it. The location was bad. And just never looked the same after that. I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I mean, there are a couple times he's looking right at the receiver and doesn't throw it for whatever reason. And he's open. I mean, a couple times in the second half to Devontae Adams, there's the throw. It's right there. Just let it go. And I just, I don't know what the deal is. I have to believe he looks better in practice. I just have to believe that. Because McCarthy has been adamant that they believe in Brett Hundley. Well, if if he didn't, if he looks like this, if he was slow to pull the trigger like this in practice they wouldn't be they wouldn't have been confident in him and i really think that facing the team that he faced to start really really put him in a bad spot that vikings game because that was the, that was where he was making zip throws he played with some confidence and he ends up throwing three picks two of them really just bad luck and one just trying to make a play i i want to just say look he's a young player he's inexperienced he's going to struggle but 
I mean, they they won a game in which he didn't even throw for 100 yards, and he's he's failed to get to 100 yards at home twice this year. I mean, that's just embarrassing for an NFL quarterback. It's embarrassing. But you just have to w- win one more game if you're Brett Hundley, and you have to beat another quarterback who has been embarrassing too, Deshaun Kaiser, who's a rookie. So it, it is still all there in front of them. We'll get to the Rodgers talk. We'll get to the, the NFL playoff picture, and we're going to talk more about the defense. But before we do, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge giveaway. Leave your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes, and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That's a $39.99 value. You'll get access to player grades, snap counts, position ranks, NFL draft coverage, all sorts of information that they have there that is behind the paywall. You couldn't get otherwise unless you paid for it, and you could get it for free just by leaving a review of this podcast with your name and your Twitter handle in it. Give us five stars. Tell us why you like the show. It really is that easy. Now, the final numbers for Jameis Winston are going to look pretty good because he went 21 of 32 for 272 touchdowns. That's a 112 quarterback rating. If you look at net yards, net passing yards, you have to subtract the sacks. 230. All of a sudden, under six yards per pass. Because the Packers sacked Jameis seven times, hit him 13 times, and had another six tackles for loss. The front four was outstanding rushing the passer. They got after Jameis. Clay Matthews had two and a half sacks in his return from the injury. Kenny Clark helped force the, the basically was a butt fumble. Jameis Winston trying to go throw the ball and, and hits the leg of his offensive lineman, the ball flies up. Dean Lowry catches it and goes 60 yards for a touchdown. But the front did not play well against the run. This was this is a top 10 run defense. I know that it's it's fun for Packers fans to make fun of how bad this defense is. And it's been gashed by good quarterbacks. But the run defense has been outstanding. And so that was the most surprising thing to me. Peyton Barber, 23 carries, 102 yards. That's that's just not what you expected coming into the game. Overall, Tampa Bay rushed for a buck sixty-five on thirty-five rushes. That's almost five yards a carry. Really, not what you would have expected coming in, given the strengths of these two teams. Now, Green Bay did enough. They get they get the defensive score. They rush Jameis. They force him into some bad throws, and part of the problem was in the second half. They couldn't get, they they were on the field the whole game. And not because they weren't getting off, although Tampa Bay was 9 of 16 on third downs, but because Green Bay's offense couldn't keep the ball. I mean, Tampa Bay had the ball for nearly 12 minutes in the third quarter. They only played 15. Now part of that is the, is the Packers gave up some long drives, but I mean it was 17-10 at halftime. Tampa Bay scored 10 in the first half, they scored 10 in the second half. It's not a huge day. And considering how much they had the ball, it's pretty remarkable. Now, they, they had two fumbles inside the five-yard line. Not great. And they did, the, they did a fair amount of their own self-destructing. But Green Bay's defense played well. And they did some interesting things. I wondered how they were going to handle the cornerback situation with Kevin King hurt. And they did something that I thought was, was interesting 
they had, they had Demarius Randall and Devon House. They're, they're, those were their outside corners. Luckily for for Green Bay, Tampa is not a spread them out team. They're not going to go four wide, five wide, where you have to go into some deep dime personnel. Green Bay played a lot of base. They played a lot of of Clay Matthews at in in the off ball linebacker situation with Martinez and Ryan, both of whom played really well in this game. Had some really nice play on screen plays. The first Buccaneer screenplay worked beautifully, and the Packers defense snuffed out like three or four in a row after that because Blake Martinez and Jake Ryan read them, came downfield, and made tackles. But getting back to the secondary for a second, instead of bringing in Josh Hawkins and sliding Randall to the slot, they left House and Randall on the outside, and then Morgan Burnett and Josh Jones were the de facto slot corners. Now that made things complicated because it made Jermaine Whitehead be the extra safety. I'm not sure when he passed Marwin Evans on the depth chart, but he clearly has. And he's the reason they scored the first touchdown. He gave up the third down completion on the opening drive when Tampa looked methodical in moving the ball down the field. And he's got Cameron Brayden one-on-one coverage because Burnett and Jones are having to play basically corner. So if Kevin King can't go against the Browns, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if if Dom Capers takes the same approach. Josh Gordon made his return for for Cleveland this week. He is a big, physical, dangerous receiver. He can he can beat you at the catch point. He can beat you down the field. And Corey Coleman is starting to play well. So they have some receivers. They have a very talented tight end in David Njoku. Will Green Bay be able to just play basically two corners for most of the game? Josh Hawkins did play because Demarius Randall uh, was out briefly. The time of possession disparity was was not about Green Bay's defense not playing well. It was about Green Bay's offense not scoring and not not just not scoring, not not doing anything. I mean, thirty seven minutes of time of possession is a that's a huge number, huge number. And so this is what the Dom Capers defense, this is the blueprint for them. Rush the quarterback, get sacks, and get a turnover or two at a a key time. Green Bay also got a punt block in this game. I mean, it got everything it needed to do to win a game at home, and it still had to go to overtime to win it. It just, it's an indication of how important quarterback play is in the league, as if you needed a reminder. But I mean, this was as close to a quarterback gives you legitimately nothing and you win a game as as could be although I will I will point out again a couple huge plays with his legs on designed runs for Brett Hundley I don't know why this was not a bigger part of their offense to start with but that is a question we really only have to ask for at least another week but that could be it it is Brown's week I know we have to we have to turn our attention now to Cleveland. They're the worst team in football. They are winless, and they're still a dangerous team. They've got a lot of talent on defense. Check out Locked On Browns this week to get their side of the story the same way that you would stay locked on Packers. I had to save it for the end of the show just to make sure you'd listen all the way through. Aaron Rodgers practiced on Saturday. Looks good. He won't even be scanned until after the Browns game. They don't want to subject his body to unnecessary radiation, which can slow healing. And so the the movement is good. The practicing is all good. You assume the medical staff is not going to have him out there practicing 
if things aren't healing, if it's not progressing, I would think they would be able to tell that. The strength tests and the, and the recovery and rehab that he's had to do usually gives you an indication of how well the injury is healing. Obviously, they think it's healing well because he's practicing. And Aaron Rodgers obviously makes this team dangerous. If he can come back, they can win their last three games. They can finish running the table. How much time will he need to get into a rhythm? We don't know. But again, this is why I mentioned it earlier. This is why the running game is so important. And this is why the defense being healthy is so important. Kenny Clark hurt his ankle, came back, played through it. What is his situation going to be like moving forward? Kevin King, what is what is his injury situation? Is this something that that he can just rest for a little bit and he can play the stretch run? We don't know. Can Clay Matthews stay healthy? Can Ahmad Brooks stay healthy? Can Morgan Burnett stay healthy? Because I do think the defense, if they're healthy, can play well enough with Aaron Rodgers to go win a bunch of games. I mean, I genuinely think this team would have 10-plus wins already. They're 6-6. Six and six. They'd be 10-2, and 11-1, something like that. Now, every team deals with injuries, but the Seahawks lost two of their best players, and they just beat the team that most people thought was the best in football. So you have to find a way to win games without your stars. You have to find ways to win games to get into the playoffs. If the Packers can beat the Browns on Sunday, they can get into the playoffs. Because a lot of things fell right for the Minnesota beat Atlanta. Atlanta's now a five-loss team. Green Bay is a, is a game back. Now, they're really two games back because Atlanta has the tiebreaker there. But Baltimore beat Detroit. Both teams are 6-6. Six and six. The Saints beat the Panthers. And the Eagles are the ones that blew this because the Seahawks won. If the Eagles had beat, had beat the Seahawks on Sunday night, then they would be a five-loss team and would only be able to, they would basically wouldn't be able to lose the rest of the way because the Packers have the tiebreaker, the head-to-head tiebreaker with Seattle. Now, the Seahawks still have a brutal schedule. They still have to play Jacksonville. They still have to play St. Louis. And they still have to play Dallas, who will have Zeke Elliott in his first game back. And then the Cardinals, who always play them tough in Week 17. The Falcons also have a difficult schedule. They play the Saints twice and the Panthers once to finish the season. They also play at Tampa Bay. I mean, this could very easily be a seven-loss Atlanta team. Now, you would still like them, if you're the Packers, to beat the Panthers in in Week 17. But they're still only a four-loss team. So that puts Green Bay two... That puts Green Bay two games back. Okay, well, Carolina's got Minnesota this week. If they lose that game and they lose to Green Bay, that's six losses. Any other loss after that would just be icing on the cake. So there are still plenty of situations. Things are things are going right for Green Bay in terms of what's happening around them. A similar thing happened in 2013. The Lions started to collapse. Things, I don't want to say broke right, because obviously they didn't. But once the, once the breaks in each case happened... Green Bay was always going to need some help because they, they weren't just going to tear through this schedule with Brett Huntley. Obviously, I thought they would play better than they have. I thought he would play better than he has, he being Brett Hundley. And that's been disappointing. But they won. Brett Hundley has won two games. If he can win a third, they can be a playoff team. They can be a 10-win team. And at the very least, they can play some spoiler. They can keep Detroit out of the playoffs in Week 17. They could, they could deal an enormous blow to the Carolina Panthers' playoff chances in Week 15. 
And they could do themselves a favor in that game because they're fighting with Carolina to get in. We're not quite there with all the machinations, but the point is you need to cheer against the NFC South teams that aren't New Orleans. You are a huge New Orleans Saints fan down the stretch because they have the Falcons twice. If New Orleans wins both those games, Atlanta's probably out. But Atlanta needs to beat Carolina, probably. Or Minnesota needs to beat Carolina, one of those two, which would allow Green Bay to get that sixth loss. And in that, there is actually a situation if if Seattle ends up with six losses, 10 and six, Green Bay could end up being the fifth seed. I mean, that's that's on the table. So the moral of, of this, all of this, is to say Green Bay, their playoff chances are, are not good because they still need to beat three very good teams with or without their star quarterback. Or at least at least one very, very good team. Minnesota is legitimately really good. I think Carolina is okay and Detroit is okay. But they, they still have to win those games and they still need to beat Cleveland this week. But this Tampa Bay game, it was not pretty, but they won it and they needed to win it. So the playoff hopes, not necessarily on life support now. Now they're they're recovering, maybe, maybe out of the coma. And now it's just every week, have to win one game the next one. This week, that means the Cleveland Browns, the winless Cleveland Browns. Pete Darty from the Green Bay Press-Gazette is going to be on the show tomorrow for Expert Tuesday. We're going to have a ton of content around the Cleveland Browns game. This is an enormous game for the Green Bay Packers, despite the fact that their opponent hasn't won a game in forever because they need it to stay in the playoff chase. There are still there are still scenarios in which the Packers could get in at 9-7, and seven, but the NFC needs to evolve into utter chaos for that to happen and look that could happen too a lot could happen there's a lot of football still to be played still four games left but potentially only one left in the brett hunley era mercifully but a lot of games left means a lot of content from us so for all of that you need to stay locked on Packers.